Hello everyone, and welcome to From George Capel 2. My name is Nathan Chang, and I'm a junior staff writer for The Sidekick. From George Capel 2 is a podcast that discusses something uniquely Capel on a weekly basis, along with new updates on local news and sports. Unveiling a new piece of Capel culture, whether it be history or current events, the From George Capel 2 will broach a new frontier each week. Make sure to visit Capel Student Media and pick up a copy of The Sidekick Issue 6, which hits the racks on May 10th. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, written by Stephen Covey, is a self-help book providing lessons in personal change. Initially published in 1989, it has seen nearly 40 million copies sold worldwide. In it, Covey narrates the observations he made whilst he works alongside who he called effective people. He categorizes the first three habits in the book as what is required of an individual to achieve what he calls private victory, or mastery over oneself. In this episode, we will be delving into what these habits are and how they can be applied to the lives of high school students. So today, I will be speaking with Cockpell Construction teacher Stan Burnett, who is a strong advocate for the book. So the first habit is about what Covey calls proactivity, or the ability to choose one's response to any given stimulus. What does that mean to you personally? Well, proactive is being the opposite of reactive. Proactive is taking a decision that you own in response to an event, where reactive is almost like an instantaneous, instinctive response. Best example that I have for that would be when you are a child and your parents or your guardian tells you that this stove is hot. Being proactive, you would consider, okay, I'm being told it's hot. This means I don't need to touch it. Therefore, I am choosing not to touch the hot plate. Being reactive would say, I don't believe them. So you go in and touch the hot plate, you find out that it hurts, it burns, and you pull your hand back in quick and you're in excruciating pain. So there is now a reaction to the heat and there is also a proaction to the choice. So proactive is your ability to choose, reaction is your response, automatic response to an event. I'm pretty sure any, any parent would, would prefer that their kid is more proactive. So how do you think young people in particular can become more proactive and make better decisions like that? Good question. One of the things that I see is you have to be able to base your decisions on what you believe as, as right, moral, and just. So you base your decisions on what you know. And what you know is a product of the books you read, the people you associate with, and the media that you ingest. So it controls what you think. And how you then think is going to control essentially your thoughts and your reaction to a given event. So as a youth, what you're doing there is you're looking at how am I responding to something that's happening to me and how can I respond to it in a positive way. Takes thought. It takes some energy to just consider the things that's going on. Now you have the ability of choosing the best path you know rather than being reaction to it. So you think what, what you see and what the things you, you read and you ingest and the people that you are around, they affect how you perceive what is just and unjust? Yes, people, people are going to affect others. So what happens, your peers, anyone's peers, has an influence on how you respond to an event. Case in point, let's say that as a youth, you were invited to a party. And at that party, everything's great until 
right there in one moment, you're being introduced to something you know is maybe not the best thing for you. It could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be uh, illicit activities, anything, but you know that it's not right. So you have a proactive choice, excuse me, proactive choice is to consider it before you get there. Reactive choice is to consider it once you get there. So who are you going with? There is your proactive choice. Now what happens, you're reactive at the party and you're being faced with a choice whether to partake or to not. That's a reaction that you have to consider. As a proactive is where you then lay the groundwork of who you associate with. If you're associating with, you know a good crowd, and that crowd of people is has your interest at heart, they have your best interest as well as you have theirs, you are less likely to be put in a um, challenging moment. Yeah, I mean, what, what, we, what, we, what we value is greatly determined by the people we associate with, but I think that also it's kind of, it comes from our own proactive design. We can, we can choose to associate with, with, some, with some people, but um, you know, some of those values have to come from us and within us. That's correct. There is, this is what sets us apart. Us as humans, Homo sapiens, sets us apart from the rest of the animal kingdom is our ability to think. And when we can think and understand who we are, we're introspective, we can then look to see what we're made of. It can then come back to say, all right, I have these things, these attributes of mine that I like, and I have these that I do not like. Now what happens for those that I don't care for, that I want to improve, there's, there's your opportunity to change and to make improvements. And you make those improvements by your input of three things. Who you associate with is huge. The books you read and the media that you have uh, chosen to feed your mind, then the, the media, the games you play, the TikTok, the Facebook, things like that, those are your media that you also feed your mind with. If you feed your mind with those things that are a benefit to you, you will become a better person tomorrow than you are today. You associate with those people that are doing the same thing, then as a group you become better tomorrow than you are today. You'll just steadily improve. Wow. So um, I think that, well, this is the second habit that, that Kobe talks about is um, he says, begin with the end in mind. And what that means is that he have, you have these like set principles that, that are really important to you, and then um, there are ways to like implement that into your life. And, and a great way to implement principles into your life, um, Kobe says, is to write your, like a personal mission statement, where like you lay out like, kind of like a constitution. Do you have something similar to that? Oh, yeah. And basically, when you write your mission statement down, you are essentially putting your internal fabric, who you are, on paper. I did that for teaching. Why am I teaching? What is my purpose? I go through and I then uh, write that down and I then use that as my mantra. So what you can also do to begin with the end in mind is just think about where you're going. If it's a journey in a project, if it is a journey in life, if it is a journey wherever, you're going to take a trip. You need to know where you're going before you start. 
And the quickest way to get there is essentially, for example, is to draw a line between your starting point and your ending point. If you draw that line, that's the shortest version, shortest way to get there, now you have at least a defined path on where you're going. Life is no different than that. If you know where you're going, where are you going to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years? Okay, most of you guys are starting out with your less than 20 years old. So just assume 20. 20 is easy number. In 40 years, you'll be 60. So where are you going to be when you're 60? So you begin with the end in mind is where you're going to be. Hopefully, by that time, you'll be at or close to retirement and be able to enjoy the rest of your life. So you got to plan. You got to plan your path to get there. That's what he's talking about in beginning with the end in mind. Know where you're going and determine a path to get there. So in general, how would you encourage your students to begin with the end in mind? Okay, case in point, we are going through what's called a trebuchet project. I gave them a visual of a trebuchet that I built, and I said, this is what you're going to build. And as I would then go through the different steps of getting to that end point, I kept asking them, do you see yours being built? Do you see your own trebuchet constructed and throwing rocks is what we call it. It's foam balls. But you're throwing rocks back and forth at each other. It's not going to hurt anything, but you're actually having some fun. And slowly through that, cl through that class, I, they would say, yes, I now see it. And now we have probably, I'd say at least half to three quarters of them that actually have a dry assembled version of their trebuchet. It's fantastic to see. But they have to begin with seeing that endpoint of where they're going, and they did not see it up front. Now they do. So how do you think the, like a student's ability to see something like that, to think through it, and to actually execute it, how do you think that reflects personal values that they have? They have to be introspective. Okay, so they essentially identify what their strengths and weaknesses are. What am I proud of? what I need to improve on, which areas of my life is acceptable, which areas of my life is unacceptable. So you can strengthen your acceptable areas and you can then correct or change your unacceptable areas. You just gotta identify them and everybody's different. Everybody has their own standard of what they're coming from. They have their own bias, they have their own piece of who they are that's different than everybody else. I just have to identify that. So you really encourage students to reflect inwardly on themselves, like what, what, about, about, what about my life do I want to change? That's, that is the secret. That is the secret. Absolutely. They have to be able to just stop and think, get off the phone, get off the Facebook, maybe break out a piece of paper with a pencil, go it the old-fashioned way, and identify what it is that they are strong at and what they are weak at. What areas do I need to strengthen? What areas do I need to correct? And you could do this every so often, say as, as often as you really need to, but I'd say at least once a year, at least that much. Just be introspective. Go out on the back porch with a cup of tea or something and just be quiet. Listen to yourself, your, your body, your mind. Who you are has a voice. You have to listen to it.
Yeah, I think that a lot of students actually, they really do think about that and, and they, they recognize parts of their lives that they want to change. But a lot of the times, that sort of thing where you go out and you, and you sit down on a porch with your cup of tea and you, and you try to really listen, sometimes that just like doesn't really happen. Sometimes it's not as productive. Why do you think that students don't do that more often? Impatience. Um, okay, so let's just say, for example, that you are a songwriter. If you expect to write a song anytime you sit down with a pencil in your hand, you will be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Disappointed? If you expect it every time. If you expect it at some frequency, then you're going to see some, some re improvements and some response to that. You have to keep practicing and you have to open up that voice just to sit there and say, okay, what am I telling myself? And that is a habit you create. And when you create that habit and you listen to who you are, your voice gets louder. You will hear who you are and you will be able to recognize your voice as to what it's really intending to be. If you wait and are impatient, then your voice will probably, and I'm just saying not going to be absolute, but more likely be, remain silent. You've got to listen. Yeah, so that's actually part of what, um, what Kobe calls an embryonic freedom, kind of like a freedom within your mind. And that, uh, of course, ties back into the first habit of like you can choose your response to a stimuli. So um, I know you're familiar with the story of Viktor Frankl. Would you like to... Um, Tell that to them. Okay, Victor Frankl is uh, an unfortunate member of the um, concentration camps in Germany. And Victor came up, he basically thought through the events of the day, which was just absolutely horrific. He saw his fellow members of, of, of his Jewish family being led off to the gas chambers. He saw many people die. He saw many people being starved to death. And what he did is he said, "I have, they can take everything away from me. They being the Germans can take everything physically away from me. But what they can't take away from me is my mind. They cannot take how I think and my ability to rejoice in the moment. Even though he was vehemently and I mean just horrifically treated, he chose to be happy. He chose to be a, his response was pleasant. For lack of better words, his response was pleasant to the Germans. And they couldn't, it, it, was, it freaked them out. They couldn't figure it out because everybody else was just miserable. And they reveled in that. But with Viktor Frankl, he didn't. And he chose to be happy, he chose to be pleasant, back to the Germans, and through that, it let him then survive day by day by day, all the way to the very end. And he survived the, the concentration camps. So um, it was one of those things, to be able to tell his story, it was one of the things that is just absolutely rewarding. V-I-C-T-O-R, Frankl, F-R-A-N-K-L. So if you haven't read about him, you need to. That's, that's, that's a really, really powerful story. And just like with all these things in mind about, um, you know, these values and, and the ability to choose your response, what is the ultimate advice that you'd give to a young student? 
Oh, that's a good question. Don't make hasty decisions. When you make hasty decisions, you'll likely find yourself in dire straits. So consider what your decisions are. Consider what your options are. Even maybe even find some um, some people that you trust to bounce off some ideas with. Then make a decision based on prudent, sound judgment. Don't make hasty decisions. Don't. Um, many people have in the past, and they have uh, challenges that stem from it. Don't make any. Don't make hasty decisions. That's probably the biggest one that I've got. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Hello, I'm Anjali Vishwanath, the Sidekick's Daily News and Assignment Editor, and this is your weekly news update. The month of May is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, the theme of which this year is Advancing Leaders Through Collaboration. This is an especially poignant theme with the first Asian American female vice president of the United States currently being in office. The theme is chosen by the Federal Asian Pacific American Council. Moving on, this Sunday is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. On Tuesday, there is a Coppell City Council meeting from 7 p.m. at Coppell Town Hall. And finally, AP exams end on Friday, so hang in there. This has been your weekly news update. Thank you. Hey, CHS sports fans. My name is Anjali Krishna, and I'm the executive editor-in-chief of The Sidekick. And this is your weekly sports update. On Thursday and Friday of last week, the Coppell softball team was swept 2-0 by Allen, ending its season in the Class 6A by District Playoffs. On Friday, the Cowboy baseball team beat Marcus to secure the first seed in District 66A. The Cowboys now play McKinney Boyd in the Bidushka playoffs on Friday and Saturday, narrowly avoiding Geyer, who Cowboy lost to twice in the regular season. On Friday and Saturday, the Cowboy track team competed at the regional meet. Sky Schuller on the girls' side is the only Cowboy athlete going to state with pole vault and high jump. At regional, she broke the school record for the 300 meter in hurdles. Thanks for listening in. Thank you for joining us on From George Cup Hell 2.